everyone! Welcome to Sobre Mesa, a podcast from our table to yours, and welcome to our Latinx gaming series where we explore Latinx representation in video games and the industry. Today we have uh, for you the three, three of the six co-founders, correct? Six co-founders total of Latinx in gaming. So we have uh, Elaine Gomez, Christina Amaya, and Juan Vaca with us today. Hey guys, how you doing? Hey, how's it going? Good. So glad to have you. Thank you so much for coming on. We're really excited to hear about your organization, which I kind of found by accident. Uh, let me tell you, <laughs> I had no idea uh, that you guys even existed. And when I found you uh, on Google, it was through Google search, when I was sort of, uh, I was doing some research for an episode that we're going to do where we talk about Latinx char- uh, video game characters. And then I stumbled upon your website and I got so excited when I found it. because I was like, oh my goodness, I've been waiting for an organization like this to, to be around. So talk to me a little bit about your company um, and how long you, have you guys been around? Um, yeah, I'll, I'll go first. So we have been around since 2018's GDC. It'll be three years now. Oh my God. Um, we have- Congratulations. Thank you. We were the first three people to do a panel together on what it meant to be Latinx. Um, And I'll let one of these two handle what the company is because they're way better with words than me. So So I'm glad that you ran into us. It means that our marketing is working, right? And it also means that we're filling a gap that currently did not exist. And I think that's kind of really where it like um, kind of came from, like a, a, a momentum where we all just like ran into each other. And we're like, this is such a great opportunity. There's so many great stories and people in this industry that feel alone. You know, let's let's keep this party going. Let's stay connected. Let's make sure that there's a place. And how do we stay connected and, and keep that energy going? Um, because that was basically it, right? Like we have to keep a conversation going um, and stay connected. Totally. And clearly your marketing's working because I saw you guys on Telemundo recently. A really cool interview, which is amazing. So congratulations on that. That was super cool. And I sh- I'm sure that increased your visibility like tremendously. So you're really on the map right now. Um, talk to us a little bit about your mission and your goals so that the listeners know like exactly what it is you do and, and what you're trying to achieve with the company. Okay. I guess I can go. I was <laughs> waiting to see. Like, huh? <laughs> I was like, I don't amazing. know where to go. Um, But our org is pretty, like, our goal really is to amplify the voices of Latinx uh, game industry professionals, but we are aware also that in that comes students, in that comes content creators and other folks that are kind of, like, in parallel with Mm -hmm. not just game dev, but just the games industry as a whole. So um, our org itself has three pillars. So one of them is cultural representation, the other is professional development, and the other is community. So within those three groups, that's where we thrive. So we do our best to, you know, make events and make people feel like they're learning something or learning about something, meeting mentors, forming relationships and friendships through networking, blah, 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 things like that. But as well, we do things like super professional workshops and seminars where people really are trying to level up in their knowledge or whatever it is that they're doing. Um, and in that just, I don't know, just build a, a sense of family, right? Because like when you are an, a marginalized person in the industry, you can feel really alone. And um, yes. most of the time, the studios that we work for is just like, uh, we were the only Latino or Latina people there. So right. in being able to meet other people who are in the same like roles as us, it's like, well, I have like some solidarity with people who know my struggle. They understand yeah. what I'm going through. 
and maybe we can learn from each other so that we can do something other than just I don't know dwell in the fact that we feel alone and isolated but rather build each other up and celebrate each other and boost each other we totally understand that here at Milatinida. That's like exactly how we started. So we're all on the same page. Yeah, that's exactly how, how we came together as well. How did you all find each other? Like the three of you, right? The co-founders and the other three co-founders. Like, how did you all decide it was going to be the six of you that were going to start it? Like, did you work together? Were you friends? Like, how did it happen? I think it was Twitter, right? Does anybody really? remember? Because I don't. I know I, how I... Oh, I... no, go ahead, Sorry. I was introduced via email um, to Chris. And that's how, you know, when, you know, uh, I had won an award um, through the International Game Developers Association. Yeah. And Jen was like, hey, you know, Juan, like, Chris, you know, I know somebody that's really talented that's trying to get this thing started. I think you'd be really great, like, way to help. And you've been looking for a thing to give back. I'm also a veteran. And, like, one of the things that I had been working on was, like, creating communities and spaces through gaming for veterans. Right. Um, <clears throat> but you know, once this opportunity came on board, I was just like, you know, this is a gap that's core to my pillar. And even though I, you know, consider myself a certain classification of person, like this is part of my identity and being able to give back to this was for me a no brainer. Very, very cool. Yeah. And I'm sure that your industry experience has really helped with that, which we'll get to more in detail soon. But first I want to ask how you guys uh, as a company, what types of programs you're doing to uplift uh, game developers and just support game development in Latin America as well. Because I, I was just talking to the the creator of uh, Dandara, uh, Brazilian Longhead House, and they were saying that like they felt that Latin America was a, a lot of um, indie game devs, that there aren't a whole lot of like AAA, you know, type style companies down there. So how what are you guys doing to support those indie game devs um, that are down there and in America as well, the Latin Americans here making video games? Feel free to connect them with us. Well, we'd love this. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. The Nandara people. Yeah. I'll send them your way. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, I think Elaine and Juan have this excellent program that they're coming up with that they've put a lot of heart and soul into that I'd love to let them just kind of chat on. Sure. Yeah. So recently we launched uh, the Linux and gaming like uh, grant initiative, which mm -hmm. was our way to like give back financially to kind of like put the money where our mouth is. It's like, okay, anybody who needs help in a specific thing, we want to support you. So um, we decided to divide it up into categories. And the first category that we launched was software and hardware. So nice. we sent out an application out there for folks who needed computers or parts for the computers, like streaming equipment, whatever it may be. And of course, like licensed software that they may need either right. to do their own like personal stuff or their development or video editing, whatever it may be. So that's one of the things that we, we have been working on, which we saw the need. And when we saw all those forms and, everything that people were sharing it like breaks your heart because you yeah. see the need and like you wish that you were a millionaire so that you could just yes. buy everybody everything um yeah. and it i don't know it also but it also is rewarding knowing that we have the opportunity to make a difference in people's lives and really change their the course of their career maybe just by providing a need right so that's yeah. one of the things that we have done and uh i think it was a year and a half ago or so we also identified that we needed somebody who would have a reach in Latin America because all of us were based True. in the United States. Yeah. And that's what we really know. So that's when we brought in one of our other co-founders, Fernando Reyes. Um, and he was born and raised in Mexico. He is very familiar with the industry there. So he has connected us with various folks all around Latin America 
And that's when we just expanded our Latin division. So he's the director of the Latin division. We have country leads and those folks can really speak to the needs in their own countries, things that are not visible to us being here in the United States. We may assume and speculate on what the needs may be, but those people really help bridge the gap. And I think those are the major, that's one of the major ways that we have been able to help. And also just by providing things like the grant initiative or like the game gem that we had for Amigos online last year where we had prizes thanks to our sponsors mm. where we can li- give a little bit of money because you know like $800 or so goes a long way in, right. in our home countries whereas that may not be much significant here so um, we're really trying to do our best to figure out where can we make most impact and just go along there depending on the community too because it's, right. it's definitely their their choice on what they would like us to get most involved in. Right. I think a representative in uh, Latin America is a great start. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. Totally. So we, we've actually been able to expand not only, you know, uh, as a like Latin American region, but also within smaller subsections because we have so like through our networking, we found that we have so many people that are out doing and leading these great initiatives like FemDevs Peru or you know um conferences in argentina or these um like amazing talented people that are running their own versions of video games right like video games are not coming to them so they're figuring out ways to blossom and share their work with what with what little they have that's that's what our people is about right adapting and surviving and putting our art out there um, and it just happens to be that like the medium that we want to help is games. Um, another thing that we've also been doing is putting together um, ways to get people hired. And so like one of our other events is Conexion, which is coming up at the end of June, which is preparing uh, a bunch of um, talented people that might be looking for a stepping stone or um you know their place in games or trying to get that you know that first entry level job with you know companies that are looking for a diverse pool of candidates so it's like let's try to do something to bridge that gap and make that connection um and we're taking it a step further by also trying to get people prepared so they're ready to meet these recruiters and they're ready to join these companies so we have resume reviews mm-hmm. online portfolio reviews um up leveling your twitch and your streams so that way we have the best version of ourselves to present and be ready um for this event so we're really excited to bring that on board for the community um and show the amazing talent that we have within our community is that all virtual conexion like that's very cool because that's so accessible then it doesn't matter where you are you can participate and I feel that like that's one thing that the pandemic has taught us is that, you know, we can use these virtual, um, you know, conventions and things to reach more people. And on the note of accessibility, I couldn't help but notice when I went to your website that the very first thing your website asked me to do was pick a language. And, you know, I do think that that's super important. And I wanted to hear you guys talk a little bit about like the process of that, like translating, you know, all of your stuff. Like, did you all do it yourselves? Like, did you hire someone? Like, how did that go? You know, and I see that on your Discord too. Like, you do have some, you know, um, accessibility flips, you know, here and there. And, uh, you know, your Telemundo um, uh, interview was was also in Spanish. So, you know, uh, talk to me a little bit about that and how it's been like trying to make it accessible in both English and Spanish. Um, it's all on us. <laughs> I can tell you that. <laughs> so, I mean, um, we, 
it's funny because like there's varying levels of speaking Spanish in our, our group of people. And then in general, the Spanish I speak, so I'm Colombian by birth, but my Spanish is Cuban. Um, and I remember I went to Colombia and I did a, I was so excited. I went to like my home city and everything. And I did a whole speech at the front of the thing. And as I walked down, somebody approached me. He's like, your Spanish is really good. Where are you from? And I was like, oh, I'm from here. <laughs> so I was like, really embarrassed because my Spanish is very different from like the, and as you know, in Latin America, there's so many different oh, yeah. ways of speak. And some people are like, that's so not real Spanish, blah, blah, blah. So when we did that, I don't know about you, Elaine, but I was so nervous the whole time. Yeah. It was like, oh man, I'm going to get roasted on live television. And I don't yeah. know. Yeah, even we, Selena used to get roasted. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't even like being roasted on my call with my tia. So like for oh, me, I knew that it was just like, yeah. I'll sit this one out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's true, especially with all the different regionalisms. Like it's so hard to keep track, you know? Yeah. And it's like that whole thing of like, you know, here in America, people see you as like totally Latino, Latina. I Latina and then you go to uh back to your you know your home country like I go to Mexico and all my my cousins are making fun of me they're like gringa gringa like you don't speak gringa I'm like I, I can't win like <laughs> it doesn't matter where I am like someone's poking poking fun at me but I think that's kind of like the experience of being um Latin American like American you know and living here in the U.S. like it's just kind of a, a part of it so you know it's brave to jump in and try and make your website like accessible and and know that you might get like some feedback and some people that have different understandings of the language so you know, I commend you on that. And I know I kind of threw that question at you as a surprise. So <laughs> well, I, I, I think, that. I think, you know, listening and being open and receptive to the community is what yes. makes the community possible. And we have Absolutely. to be on that kind of like level. And, and a lot of what we, you know, do as leaders is, is ask and listen, you know, mm -hmm. like we can't mm -hmm. say let's buy a hundred, you know, computers or, you know, 30 versions uh 30 versions of photoshop to give out if the community doesn't need it so i think it's important for mm -hmm. us to you know ask listen and you know be there um and i think that also parts uh is part of why our inclusivity matters right like being able to communicate and have that language for people that you know may not be able to you know communicate or bridge that gap but we both are aligned with the same thing and that's mm -hmm. what how we want to help um reinvest totally. with what we have um, and build each other up. Yeah, and it I'm sorry, go ahead. Sorry. No, I was going to say that it also speaks to like our humble beginnings because we started off as a roundtable at a gaming conference. Mm -hmm. And out of those roundtables came some really difficult conversations like some somebody from Argentina was like, well, why don't you all like to speak Spanish? I feel like y'all don't like to speak Spanish. And Christina and I have to be like, wait, no, that's not the case. Like some people moved to the United States and they just, their parents decided that it was best for them to learn English mm -hmm. so that they could adapt and, you know, not make, be, make fun of, not be bullied because they experienced those things when they moved to the United States and they don't want their kids to go through that. So there's that, that side of the point. And there's people yep. like me who are born in Puerto Rico. My Spanish is tirado, as we say it, like People don't acknowledge my Spanish when I moved to California and I would be speaking to people from Latin America. I'd be like, you're not speaking Spanish. Like you're butchering it. And I'm just like, this is how we talk. Like I can't do anything about that. <laughs> exactly. So it's just like all these different identities. Yeah. And then there's the, the, even like the choice of like gender neutrality and like being yeah. conscious about what are we going to call ourselves as a, as an organization? You know what I mean? 
like all those tough conversations came from those roundtables and like really heartfelt discussions with our community, like Juan said, because we're only doing this for them. We don't get paid. Like this is our voluntary time. We're doing this out of the love. (laughs) It's like out of the love of our hearts that we wanted to build something because we didn't see it for ourselves and we didn't want others to experience that. So it's like, okay, we're going to just put our foot somewhere and hopefully it'll make a wave and then other people will care and then back us up, right? Because yeah. it's a learning process and it's a journey. It's like four years ago, we had negative monies. <laughs> like, and now, and now we can say, oh, wow, like people are backing us up financially and we can give back, you know? So it's definitely yeah. a journey and like answering all those questions, listening to people. There's a lot of soft skills involved that are not just like, let me do something for my community. It's goes right. a step further of like, how can I serve you? Literally, it's like, what yeah. can I do to help you? Like, screw me. Like, I, it doesn't matter what I think or what I want. Mm-hmm. Um, and that takes certain type of people. And I'm so glad that all of us as a unit and co-founders, we're on the same mind and wavelength. And when something happens where we think, hey, we should have a discussion with the with the community, we are all pull our, we all pull together and put ourselves out there. And I'm like, okay, we'll take a bullet for whoever we need to take a bullet for, as long as we're protecting and serving the people who are in our community. Totally. And that makes perfect sense to me. And something I think you guys do really well is is really reinforce the sense of community, right? You keep saying community, and that's what I get from your website. So the other thing I wanted to ask about was your uh, your Discord, your Facebook group. That was the second thing that I found when I went there, and I immediately joined both. Uh, Because I was just so excited to like see what people were saying and sharing because I think that's how I find things. And I think sometimes I can get a little uh, disheartened and frustrated at like, oh, there's like no Latinx representation in video games. We don't have any characters. We have freaking Zombra. That's it. Like, but that's not true. Like if you listen to other people and you see the posts and you see what they're sharing, like there's actually a lot out there that just doesn't have as much visibility as the AAA titles we always hear about. So you know, I, I wanted uh, to ask you uh, to talk a little bit about that as well. You know, your Discord. How can how can our viewers use your Discord, your Facebook group, to uh, join events and activities and connect with each other? Yeah, so we're always going to be posting stuff to our Twitter. Like every announcement's going to go live there first and foremost. It's just it's our like most used platform, but professional development stuff on LinkedIn. Facebook is a really good place to see what like people in LATAM are using. Like I noticed more of our Latinx people in LATAM post on the Facebook group. Um, and then for Discord, it's, it's really just a casual conversation, honestly. Like people get in there every morning. There's like this group of 10 to 15 people that are like, good morning, good morning. And it's, I just feel like, they're so cute. I really like them. That's so cute. <laughs> I know, and Wada yep. on Friday is like hangs out, and I, I, I like the. It feels almost like Discord is where like the town kind of like it's our park, you know, our recreation center. Our job board is LinkedIn. Our Twitter is like, I don't know, a giant car that runs around screaming something with like a little speaker over it. Can't think of a good analogy, <laughs> but you know what I mean. That's yeah, it's our town, analogy. right? Yeah, yeah, it's really it's great. Yeah, it's, it's a yeah. little yeah. Um... It's our home, right? Like, I think as we grow as a community and we listen to where the conversation is happening and what they're doing, like, we're expanding, right? We're trying Clubhouse. We're trying Twitter spaces. Um, Only recently did we as a staff, we're talking about, like, we should really pivot to WhatsApp, right? Like, go Mm. where the people are. That's the whole, like, um, you know, a point of, of, of being connected. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, we try to do, you know, align with the, the pillars that we mentioned earlier, right? Like community events, karaoke nights, game nights, they all happen on the Discord because that's where it's easy to connect with people, right? Keeping right. the conversation going, selling your product, boosting from mer- merchandise or trying to connect. Um, we do that on Twitter. LinkedIn is obviously like the professional aspect of it. Um, mm-hmm. But we, we, we really try to lean on those different things. And, um, you know, we understand that like our voice and having a platform creates a venue for others, which is how we were able to put on Unidos, which was basically our way to host, you know, a three-day celebration of Latinx content over Hispanic Heritage Month. So we yeah. definitely want to keep boosting and promoting um, everyone else. Totally. Yeah, we're, we're definitely going to, you know, uh, push those pages and see if we can get some of our listeners and viewers to to join them because it is a really, really good way to find other people that like the same things, you know, career opportunities and all that. So I think that's an awesome, awesome feature you have. I wanted to segue a little bit into some individual questions for you because you all have very unique backgrounds, right? You all come from, yes, you all come from the gaming industry in general, but you've had different experiences and pathways to get where you are. Uh, So my first question is for Elaine. Uh, I wanted to know about your professional career because I know that you worked as a game designer um, and I wanted to hear about how that influenced uh, how you give back and also how your Latinidad impacts the work that you do not just here, but in general as a, as a game designer over, over your career? I think that my Latinidad really affects most, most of all the way that I work with people. Mm. And that's something mm. that when I talk to young people who want to come into the industry, it, the concept of teamwork and always working with other people is not the first thing that comes to mind. Like they think about programming, they think about um, making art, But it's like constantly when you're a designer is being in meetings and communicating an idea and, you know, sometimes being quiet and listening to somebody else because their idea may be a bit better than yours and like letting your ego go. There's so much stuff that goes into it that has to do with problem solving and just talking to people. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that being Puerto Rican, I'm very expressive and um, being a woman when somebody like you know, says something that's a little bit sideways, you're like, nah, like, let me stop you right there. I don't see you talking to anybody else like that. Why are you talking to me like that? So like, I think the Puerto Ricanness comes in in different ways. So like, I, um, like, I don't know how to say this in English, but in Puerto Rico, we say, me doy a respetar, which means like, I kind of like put my foot down and like, I'm not gonna let somebody walk all over me. Um, so that comes through, but what also comes through is the compassion and listening to other people and wanting to build relationships with others because that is part of my Latinidad. You know, I, I, it's so easy in Puerto Rico or anywhere else you may go, you ask for directions. And this is an example that I have experienced. I can go to Puerto Rico, be lost and ask anybody be like, can you let me know where this place is? And they'll be like super cordial. Like, yeah, you just, you know, take a right, take a left. You will see the little tree over there, the little orange house over here. Coming to the United States and asking for directions was so scary because they're like, why are you talking to me? Like, use your phone. You know what I mean? So even in in that little sense, you can get an analogy of like how it it is like everywhere else in society and even impacting like the day-to-day work talking to people here. So I think that has really, really influenced me and like, 
you can tell like when we have like our little meetings, like our meetups for Linux and gaming and conference conferences and stuff, like you can definitely tell how different the vibe is when we have like reggaeton playing at a party that we had hosted by Red Bull and it's just like salsa merengue, everybody was having a great time. And you know, it's a different vibe when you go versus, you know, like a rave party, you know, it's a little bit different, you know? Um, totally. So I think, I think, I don't know, it's, there's a lot of really nice cultural, there's cultural values that come along with it that really make you stand out and make you like just behave differently and see things differently um, because you were just not born, you're not cut from the same cloth as most of the industry, you know? So the way that you design is completely different. Things that you value and prioritize may be completely different than somebody else. Um, when it comes to my design, I don't even have the same like resources and examples that I can pick from. Like I never watched Star Wars, I never played D&D, I never played a bunch of these games that other people have played, not because I didn't want to, but I just was never exposed to that. So I grew up in a, in a, in a home where like, um, I don't know, we played Reader Rabbit and like Zumbinis and like educational stuff. So like yeah. I come up from that and then I love music. So instead of staying home and playing with friends, um, I actually would go out and like go to shows and like I had my own band with my friends and I was just out and about just doing stuff. Right. And that definitely influences how I design because I don't think I'm not bound by these like requirements that other designers are bound by because they're grabbing from very specific places. Right. So then that kind of does, it hinders your creativity because then you feel like you need to do things in a very structured way versus just, just the sky's the limit. Let me figure out something that works for our project. Right. So definitely my Latina has affected me in all different types of ways, but I'm so happy because it makes me, it makes me feel like I am different and I have a lot of, I'm a big asset to like my team because right. of my perspective, my lived experience and how I can bring that to the table. And that's why uplifting Latin American game designers is so important because they do have a different perspective. You know, if, if it was all made by Americans and Europeans, we would keep seeing the same game themes like over and over and over again. So it's so refreshing to, to see a different perspective. And you, you're right, the Latinidad creeps in in all these little ways that you don't even notice sometimes. Uh, and it comes out in the games and the art that you do. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah, that was so cool. Thank you for answering. Um, I want to ask Christina now about her time at Twitch and Discord, which is super cool, um, and about how that has helped you build experiences for Latinx gamers. I, I see that you have done some events, I believe, in New York, correct, uh, with the Overwatch League, uh, which that was you, right? Yes, I remember reading about that, uh, which is awesome. I love the Overwatch League. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, how, how did your career, at, you know, with Twitch and Discord sort of bring you to that? How do you organize events? Like, what's your process like? And what type of stuff are you really most passionate about doing? So um, Twitch, I was a customer support agent. Um, oh, so nice. I was, yeah, I, I was in events there. I, I did Spanish customer support for like kids in Latin America and partnerships in Latin America. Um, and it was a lot of patience. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I think to have for event it's management a, too. <laughs> it's a good thing for event management. I think the most yeah. eye-opening job I've had though, um, in terms of how events can affect people and make changes when I was at Unity. I was traveling to Latin America twice, three times, four times a year, uh, and getting to meet my people. Like I hadn't been home to Colombia in 10 years. Um, mm -hmm. I hadn't seen my family since for such a long time. And 
with Unity, it was the first time I was able to meet my family, stay in a really nice hotel and put on an event with what I loved, showing off what I loved. I had a cousin who came and visited me and she was like, man, this is really cool. I didn't know you did this. I got to see people I, I wouldn't have seen forever, right? Um, and I even got to go down like this path of like trying to find my birth mother. It was like this whole kind of religious experience the first and second time I went. And so I think what I learned most importantly for myself there though, is that what we take for granted here, and, and this has been explained to me before is, uh, for example, the membership fees for some of the stuff that you can do within the gaming community are really not focused on countries that are considered third world countries, right? Because they're like, oh, $60 a year. That's nothing, right? But some people are like, that's a month of groceries. More than that for me sometimes, like, or that's paid for me. It's really expensive. I can't afford to give you that. And at the same time, they can't afford not just that, but to learn how to make games the way we learn in the U.S. We are in such a privileged position. Um, what Somebody was telling me how they would spend hours and hours waiting to use a library computer to download Unity every single time they went and use it for an hour and then have to immediately be kicked off. So they spent like six hours of their day trying to get through all this thing just to learn a little bit of Unity so they can make a game. And I was like, we have to help. We have to help the people back at home. We came here for a better life. And what a better life means isn't just better life for me. You know, being Latino is being part of this large Latino community. A better life is a better life for me and my people. And I've always truly believed that my success is my people's success. And I want to make sure that I'm giving back when I'm being successful. So that is one of the main reasons I help create Latinx in gaming. One of the reasons I help run it. I, I believe that we need to be successful together. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's definitely uh, eye-opening to look at uh, the different you know resources that are available to certain countries and and realize that yeah, the AAA titles that we're used to buying, you know, and not even thinking twice about here is not necessarily the case in other places, you know. Um, yeah, and it must have been horrifying when like the new gen consoles came out and it was like, oh, ten dollars more. It's like, ah, <laughs> you know, like it's how how does that work in other countries and how do we uh, get those resources out there the best we can, which I think you guys are doing a lot of, um, which is nice. Yeah. So I'm moving to Juan now. Uh, here comes your question. So you know we have to talk about it. We have to talk about your time at Netflix and Endless Entertainment and Telltale, which, by the way, I'm a big fan of. Um, big fan. The Walking Dead Telltale games are like one of my favorite ever. And lot of American character, Javi. <laughs> uh, it's funny when I was like going through my mind, going like, there are no lot of American characters. How could I forget about Javi? What an awesome character. Uh, but yeah, please uh, tell us a little bit about uh, your narrative design process, right? Because that is a very unique. Uh, type of track in the video game industry. No one ever really thinks about like, oh, there's someone that's really like in charge of the narrative design. Like that is so key to these uh, games being uh, the full experience, right? Uh, and how does that, how is your work in that field like apply to what you're doing now um, here in Latinx and gaming? Um, thank you. Uh, you know, at, at the very core, you know, like it's all about storytelling. You know, and I think storytelling is very universal in a narrative design. Um, relating to like my Latinidad, uh, it goes back to when I was younger and my uncle owned a, um, a shoe repair shop in DC. And on Saturdays, I would get up in the morning and I would go work with him. Um, and at the end of the day, we would reward each other by like renting a movie or going to the movies or doing something that we would watch because there was a video rental store upstairs. 
And so like in the afternoon, I would run upstairs and I would be like, what's the movie that we can rent, right? Like, what can we all watch? Something that my Dio would watch, something that my Dio would watch, something that I would want to watch, right? right? And so before there were really trailers, like what you did was you looked at the VHS box and yeah. you looked at the art on the front and you read what was on the back and you kind of figured out what was going to happen. Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes it's really easy because it's in the title, like Ernest Goes to Camp. And sometimes right. you have to figure out what it means, like Blue Valentine. And there's two completely different experiences. And so I fell in love with movies and I fell in love with sharing it because some movies you could watch and like my grandma didn't speak any English, but she loved watching Tremors on Sci-Fi Channel. You know, like there was just something about like the visual mm -hmm. storytelling, yeah, everything the way it's encompassed. And even though I went to film school at USC to really harness my trade, it was my sociology class that really left an impact on me because we talked about the politics of representation and who tells the story and who gets to set the foundation of what the narrative is, right? Who begins to say, um, this is the way that it happened and then that becomes the truth. Or more importantly, when you're talking about other people, that becomes the foundation for the way that you shape the narrative, right? Like the way people mm -hmm. are introduced, the way that, you know, we talk about other cultures, you know, especially as researchers and, you know, the, the, the embodiment of objectivity within that storytelling. Mm -hmm. um, so I took, you know, what I loved about storytelling and what I knew about, you know, the way that we invest and tell stories of like characters, of, you know, relationships, of the drama, of the tragedy, the comedy, um, the highs and lows of life. Because at the end of the day, they're all universal, right? Like, like, like we are all humans connected through emotion. And when I really think about stories, it's like, how can, how can I give you those peaks and valleys and that emotional rush to not only tell you a story that captivates you and gets you entertained, but it's something that like you can draw on and you can see and you can relate to because of a relationship that felt so universal, like with someone in your family that was close right. to you or how your Latinidad comes out you know, in the in the senses that we use as a, as a writer to tell it, right? So like, I like to activate all those things, right? Like, can you hear, you know, the sizzle of the sartén and the oil cooking as you're about to like put stuff on, right? Can you smell the old uh, like candies that your grandma has? Or like, what does your grandma's purse smell like, right? Like, yeah. like all the lotions and um, perfumes, um, the, the, the tastes, like how can we, tell our stories like through our medium, through games, um, or more importantly, like how can we listen to the stories that other people tell? Because those are important too, right? Mm -hmm. Like that's how I think what uh, community is about, right? Like mm -hmm. storytelling is our social currency where we connect with each other and we say, I see you in me, and I am able to tell you, I am doing this and you are doing that. And I hope to see you down the road, you know, later, but avoid yeah. this thing, you know? So mm -hmm. at, at the core essence, whether we do that through a movie, through a game, um, it's really about how we connect, how we stay engaged um, and how we let our diversity and our like real voice like shine. Yeah, absolutely. A couple of things like about what you said, um, when you were talking about the senses, right? Like the septin and like all those things, like sense memory can be such a powerful thing. Like, and as an actor, like I know that like firsthand because uh, it can really take you back. So when, when those are incorporated in the games, like it really is so immersive. 
And something else I've noticed about narrative storytelling is the more specific and personal the story is, the more universal it feels, you know, it's like the, which is ironic, but that's how it works. You know, when you really get in the nitty gritty of the character, all of a sudden it's like, it's relatable. You know, even though you would think that like a more generic thing would be more universal, that's not at all how it works. Like it's impersonal that way, you know? So I definitely think that that's a fascinating part of, of video games. And, and video games are such a unique platform for that storytelling because you put yourself in the, the shoes of the person instead of just watching it happen, you are making it happen. And it can be very emotional. Like when I was wa uh, playing through the Walking Dead Telltale games, there were moments where I was screaming, crying, like, like absolutely in tears, like I couldn't handle it, you know, because it, it felt like I was doing it. Um, so you really do have a unique opportunity of, you know, doing narrative design for that kind of stuff. And, you know, and that has translated to, you know, you work on Netflix as well, obviously, um, which is a whole other thing, but it's, you know, storytelling at its essence. Yeah. And, and, the, and the beautiful thing about interactive storytelling is that um, we can give you the opportunity to be in someone else's shoes right. and make those choices in that spectrum. In a, in a it, yeah. Right, right. Absolutely a tool for creating empathy through, mm -hmm. um, you know, avatars and interaction. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. It is a super unique platform. And that's why I love it so much. But yeah, I, I, before we wrap up, I want to ask you a fun question. Um, I would like to know what your favorite Latin American video game character is. You don't all have to answer, but if you know off the top of your head, like, oh, out of all Latin American characters I've seen in video games, like, this is the one. I'm just curious, like, you know, again, there aren't a whole lot, but the ones that are out there are solid, <laughs> at least from what I've noticed. I see everyone, like, thinking, like, hmm. Well, hmm. like, are there... <laughs> So, I mean, to be honest, yeah. all the games I've played don't have any featured. Like, Legend of Zelda is a bunch of white folks, you know, yeah. save each other. I know, isn't that sad? Yeah, I'm having a whole other episode about this <laughs> where yeah. me and my friends are going to talk this out because we really feel like we need to get it off our chest. Um, but yeah, I, I have, you know, I mentioned Javi, like, this one for me. I, I like Life is Strange too, and I like the brothers in that game. I don't know if you guys have played it, but it's a kind of fun, like, Mexican story. Um, which was new for Life is Strange, so I thought that was kind of cool. Um, I'm trying to think of other ones. I mean, who doesn't love Sombra? Um, but but it's not like a narrative game, you know what I mean? Like where you like, although her shorts are cool, but shorts are cool. Yeah. I like games where I can personalize myself. Like I can see me in it. Like I I think about all yes. the games I play. I have a personal character, and she kind of looks mm -hmm. like I mean ambiguous brown girl right like it looks like me right but <laughs> girl girl same no it's funny like how exciting it was because like growing up you didn't have the brown option that often right so it's like as video games started to progress a little more of the times like I would get so hyped when I could pick like brown skin color like it was like I was like holy shit it's me but you're right it was just like ambiguous brown girl but like to me that was me right <laughs> it exactly. goes a long way <laughs> I still see Juan like thinking like hmm. we're all like <laughs> I think for me, just because it was the very first character that I found mm -hmm. out that was like Latina was Carmen Sandiego. Oh yeah, that's, and that's good. I played a lot of the games growing up on PC, so yeah. when I finally connected it, being a little girl, I was like, oh, that's so cool. Yeah. And she was smart and cunning, even though she right. was a villain. It's like she was, she was pretty cool to me. Right. Yeah. I mean, seeing yourself like is oh. The best feeling. <laughs> That's all we ask for, representation, right? At the end of the day, <laughs> it can be powerful. 
it is powerful, you know, and, and I think representation can also be powerful, you know, in the wrong way, right? When we think about like, what are mm-hmm. our favorite characters? And I can name a bunch of characters, but they're not my favorite because we've been uh-huh. kind of put into this trope of villainy, right? Mm-hmm. It's just like, well, no, but I, that wasn't my favorite cartel lord. Uh, yeah. like- <laughs> You're telling me I'm an actor and they try to put me in these like, you know, super stereotypical roles. And I, a lot of times just like turn it turn it down because I'm like I don't want to do that anymore like I don't I want to just be a person like not like a stereotype you know I read the book um Rainbow Six before it was Mm -hmm. a video game and you didn't even know it was a book yeah this is like back in like 1999 um and so uh Rainbow Six is basically you know the the UN like special ops right right um but what they don't tell you is that the guy who was leading Rainbow Six is Ding uh-huh. Chavez, right? Ricardo or Domingo Ding okay. Chavez. So he was the first like Latinx like soldier that like I really gravitated to. Um, mm-hmm. To the point where like, you know, this was like my XCOM, right? Like I literally right. beat Rainbow Six on the PC with my last character was Ding Chavez. There's a terrorist on the other side of the door. And I have like like my entire team wiped, and I was just like, oh my god, I have to open the door, and like this is it, yeah. right? Like it just builds to that kind of thing. Um, and like the real sad thing is that like even though I did end up beating the game doing that, that shaped me and influenced me to mm-hmm. invest and look into the Marine Corps. And I ended up, you know, being in the Marines for eight years. So like the things that we play also influence the things that we think we can do, right? That's how we also play and learn. Um, yeah, that's I, a good point. you know. Eight years of my life, you know, were, you know, invested in um, the Marines. Um, But while I did learn things in there, like, it did actually stem from playing a video game, you know, because, like, those little things of how you see yourself, like, if he said, like, hey, that guy could be a special ops, like, team leader, maybe I can go be a sniper or a team leader or something else. And Mm -hmm. I went and did that. So, like it is possible. Yeah, that's a really good point. There's so many different like sides of that, you know, so many different types of effects it can have on you. Um, totally. It's cool. All right. Um, last thing, last thing I'm gonna ask, uh, hopes for the future for the industry. I really want to know, like, what, out of all the things that you know, you hope happen. Um, what is like the main thing for each of you that you really hope will change? stay the same, improve. It, it can be anything, just like hopes for the video game industry. It can be not related to Latinidad at all. It can be like, I'm tired of these remakes and these remasters and these sequels. Like, it can be what, <laughs> like, give me new games. It can be whatever you want. I'll, I'll, I'll go first, <laughs> if, if you don't mind. Um, I think the, the very first thing that I would like to see is a like lifetime achievement award for all the underrepresented people that never got a chance to like do their dues. You know, mm-hmm. like how can we... Um, acknowledge um, and begin to correct and protect the industry, you know, and the next mm-hmm. generations, because the exploitation is not going to be able to do there. So whether it's unionizing, yeah. protecting, getting people aware of everything that they can do, um, that's how I see collectively the industry coming together and telling yeah. stories um, mm-hmm. or making things that are accessible so that everyone can play or has access to, right? Because we're not able to all have a phone or an internet connection or right. um, the, the prerequisites um, 
what I would love more than anything is to be able to look back and celebrate like a 25th anniversary of Latinx and gaming and like being able to see all the things that like we will continue to do. Because even in these past like three years, we've been able to see students graduate and get hired. Um, people connect at conferences and work on games together. Um, and people just even believing in trying something new in themselves that they didn't think they could do before. And I think that's the whole point of how, like, we think we measure success for our organization. Totally. Absolutely. I hope for all those things as well. Who's next? Um, you, you know, something I want for the future is that diversity is not just a higher on the side, right? Mm -hmm. You know, that the people mm -hmm. at the top, the VAPs, the CEOs, the directors are Latinos, are Black yes. people, are people representing world cultures, you know? That's how it really happens. Yeah. Yeah, because mm -hmm. if you think about all the major companies, you know, the riots, the Googles, et cetera, and you think about all the people in leadership at these major corporations, it's white people, white people, uh, like a white woman, white people. And then like in the middle-ish, bottom-ish level, like there's some Latinos and some, you know, people mm -hmm. of color. And it's like, there needs to be more of us at the whole top. There needs to be yeah. CEOs who are Latino. There needs to be people that are openly and proudly LGBTQIA+. I, I think that's where we need to be. Yeah, absolutely. A toast for us Latinx uh, ent entrepreneurs. <laughs> right, yeah, right. Do, doing what is not there, like absolutely filling the void that, that is missing. It does start at the top. At the end of the day, we can't just trust the white people to do the right thing all the time because right. most of the time they don't. <laughs> so yeah, it starts at the top. Elaine, do you have any thoughts on your hopes? Uh, I echo what Chris said. Like my hope in the future is that we don't have to fight anymore to be represented, but we just are. Just like are. we're in the space, like we have the opportunities. We don't have to get, you don't have to question like, is it okay to add XYZ person in this game, XYZ storyline in this game? It's just open for anything because we just exist and we're there. Right. Um, and like I, from personal experience, I, I know that when you're in a team, and you value something and you're passionate about something, you have the opportunity to bring it to the table and you really have the opportunity to make an impact. And um, in my previous project, I was able to do that with accessibility. And in my new project, I'm able to do the same thing, you know? And like, if it weren't for people like that are like-minded, right? That would never happen, right? So it has to be like Chris said, that when we come to leadership positions that, that whoever it may be that we can go from mid to like senior positions and then we can go to leadership positions and then we can infiltrate, you know, the sea levels, right? Because that's when change cascades down. Because if I get to a leadership position, whatever passion, whatever matters to me, I'm going to be extending that to my team and it's going to keep cascading down. And I think that that's where we will see change, but it's, it's all in phases and it's like a domino effect because it starts yeah. from, you know, make, like sharing with young kids of color that they can go into the industry, that it is a viable career path and convincing their parents or giving them resources to let them know that it's yeah. not just a waste of time, that right. um, it is a career, you know, because that happened to me. And I had, I had to get to the point of getting a master's degree for my parents to understand that it was a career. 
if I would have just gotten a BA and like gotten a certificate and just gone, I don't think my parents would have supported me the same way. And I know that's the same for so many people that I, cause I have talked to them. Um, so there's like generational gaps in understanding. Then there's the, the opportunity to go to school for it and like pay that stuff. So there's a financial burden. Mm -hmm. um, and then it comes once you're in the industry, then nobody wants to back you up. And then you just stay in like the same spot. And you're just like, dude, I went through all this stuff. Like, so hard. help me, <laughs> help yeah. me move up. Like, don't like, and we're go-getters. Like mm -hmm. I, every single person, I don't care where you're from. If you are from Latin America, you are a hardworking person. That's ingrained in our blood. Like it just yeah. is. Mm -hmm. And like, we are ready to just face obstacles and just like bulldoze through them. Mm -hmm. in our personal lives and in our professional lives so um to me if we can just bulldoze through those barriers and like support each other and like call each other out when things are happening like i feel that we will see those changes happen yeah but there's going to be a lot of resistance along the way of course so you have organizations like us where we see that resistance and we are trying to like it's like jenga you know just trying to take yeah. the blocks out until it tips <laughs> over, over <laughs> yes yeah, and it's gonna take time, you know, yeah. like there are strides, things are changing, there are mm -hmm. some positive things coming out, and we're happy about those things, but there's still mm -hmm. a lot of work to do. And not just for our community, it's also for the black community, it's for yep. the Asian American community. Yep. We're all feeling it at mm -hmm. different levels, at different, like, like um, I would say, um, different amplitudes, depending right. on the time of year, depending on yeah. like, the area, on the politics, it's multi-layered, right? Mm -hmm. But that's the whole point. If we band together, if we become united, we can do it so much better and really face it versus just fire ourselves. Totally. I one step at a time, we will get there. I'm an optimist. So like, I believe that organizations like yours are doing the work that needs to be done for us to get to all these goals and hopes that you guys are talking about. Um, before we sign off, uh, just, you know, what's on the horizon for Latinx and gaming? Is there anything you'd like uh, viewers to know to keep an eye out for coming soon? You know, what, anything new projects or anything that you'd like to share? So Conexion is going live at the start of June. There'll be an event right up then. I won't give a specific date so that we're not stressing. Um, <laughs> we're uh, definitely going to have a virtual career fair with that. So um, there will be a bunch of companies in attendance. If you're interested in working at them, it's a perfect time to meet hiring managers and recruiters at those companies. Um, also the grant initiative, there's still going to be more coming from that. So stay tuned to our social media accounts. And we're going to be doing... Um, Unidos Online in uh, Hispanic Heritage Month, so at the very end in October. Uh, and then we're going to be doing a cooking show coming up. Uh, I'm only going to be slightly teasing that, but if you're interested and want to be a part of it, let me know. <laughs> I love that. I love that so much. <laughs> Amazing. Oh, thank you guys so much for coming on. It was awesome having you. Thank you for sharing your experience and your company. Um, thank you, viewers, for watching Sobre Mesa today. Don't forget to like, comment, subscribe, follow our social media pages, and follow Latinx and Gaming on Twitter and Facebook and all the other things. Join the Discord, do the thing, uh, and participate in their upcoming events. Thank you so much, you guys. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye. This has been Amila Tidad Podcast. For a video of today's episode, visit our YouTube channel, Mi Latinidad. 